Welcome back to another episode of the Belt to Wire. My name is William Brown, Content Manager, and today we'll be trying something a little different with the format of this podcast. The last three podcasts of the Belter Wire focused on providing information about how restaurants and bars can maintain an effective form of communication with their customers, whether that's in person or through the help of social media and a digital app. To wrap up this series of discussions, I've invited back Dan Holland and Rob Frost, principals of Belter Blue, to talk through what it means for restaurants and bars to stay relevant in 2019. Rob and Dan take a look back at their experience in the restaurant industry and talk through what's worked, what hasn't, what still works today, and how the industry is changing as a whole. So here with uh, Dan Holen, I'm Rob Frost. We're both principals of Belter Blue, and we're excited to do the the last podcast in this series, um, talking about you know uh, what works with communicating with your customer, how to grow your restaurant. Uh, so we're going to go through some stories today. Yep. Um, talk about uh, some experience we've had in our past, uh, what's worked, what hasn't. Uh, and then kind of some things and some trends that we see for the future that uh, you may or may not want to uh, invest your time and money in. So, Dan, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Good, doing great. Good. Recording this on a Friday. Right? Yeah, it's Friday. Yeah, the busy day for a restaurant. <laughs> Maybe you're doing a fish fry tonight at your business. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. I'm probably going to eat one somewhere. There you go. So, um, so tell, tell a little about a past about where you and I met. Sure. So yeah, Rob and I go way back. So we met at Texas Roadhouse, actually. We were both um, servers there. I started as a dishwasher there. I believe you started as... Expo. Expo, that's yeah. right. So we're both in the, in the kitchen. And then Rob and I both did pretty much everything there, from washing dishes to working broil to working Expo to serving, bartending, food running, managing, marketing, training, everything in between. So we've had a lot of experience working in that corporate setting of a restaurant which is you know texas roadhouse i think that's interesting you say corporate because they are but the thing that we loved it was a national that acted like a local Mm -hmm. right and they took these time-honored principles of how to run a restaurant and really applied them beautifully and that's kind of what we wanted to talk about so you know we did everything from cold prep hot prep Mm -hmm. expo broil line all those different things but what we kind of want to talk about today is how they marketed the business. And we've talked a lot about technology in the previous podcasts. And as you know, technology could and should be woven into everything that you do. But we were actually uh, what they called LSMs at uh, Texas Roadhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you remember about being a local store marketer? (laughs) I remember the first time thinking how cool it was that they allowed me just a server at a restaurant to help market the restaurant. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of a really neat thing that Roadhouse did. But the one thing I remember doing was the bread runs. If you ever eaten a roadhouse, you had the that you know the bread and the butter that you get at the table. We would actually put those in our car and we drive to local businesses with coupons and get them get them to to come back in. So um, that worked really well. Yeah. And I remember that being really fun to do with everybody. But I remember people coming with those coupons left and right after that. So definitely a sense of accomplishment being young working in a restaurant but it's it's funny how we talk about technology a lot but something like that like a personal touch walking in handing them something you know goes like goes a long way i mean just to be clear we would literally take bread fresh out of the oven with honey cinnamon butter we'd walk to the local hotels the local office buildings mm-hmm. and in some cases get in our cars and drive it there and we drop it off say hey here's some free bread from the texas roadhouse mm-hmm. here's a coupon to come back and get a free cactus blossom yeah the real version of the Bloomin' Onion, right? The better version. (laughs) The better version. (laughs) And we saw all sorts of people come back. And that was their version of marketing, right? So they gave their employees ownership 
in the marketing process, mm-hmm. put a face on the restaurant in the community. So Texas Roadhouse just wasn't this faceless, nameless national chain. It was the kids from the local high school and college that were running out there and talking to people in the community. Uh, and I thought that was neat. And that's something that restaurants can and should do today. Mm-hmm. You know, give your, your restaurants ownership all the way down to servers, you know, bartenders, things like that. Um, and those kickback coupons that we used to hand out um, were just paper coupons, right? Mm-hmm. But imagine what we could have done if we had a mobile app. Right. Yeah, they have an app now. Roadhouse does. Mm-hmm. I was just in there the other day, and they have one now. And they're using it pretty well. But, yeah, it would have been a completely different different game by, you know, being able to put those coupons in the person's phone. Yeah. Opposed to, you know, handing out a paper coupon. You know, it just goes to show you that no matter how technology changes, like like I said earlier, that face-to-face interaction with a, with, a, with a customer will always be number one. So feathering that in with what you're currently doing or wanting to do is definitely key. So that was a takeaway for us from Texas Roadhouse and wanted to share that today. But a second takeaway was, so we saw those people come back in all the time uh, with those coupons, right? So we had a plan you know, as a, as a company and as a, as a staff, and we were eventually server trainers and head weight and and in a leadership position within the restaurant. And we told the story to every table, Mm -hmm. asked them if they were a first time guest. Do you remember the story? Oh, I remember the story. (laughs) Yeah. It's ingrained in your brain. Yeah. Hand cut steaks, fresh baked bread, legendary margaritas and fall off the bone ribs. There it is. Those were the things. Said that about 4 billion times in our career there. (laughs) You know, but you said, Hey, is this your first time at Texas Roadhouse? And Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of, knew if they came in with the the kickback coupon or right. and maybe they didn't you told the story right mm-hmm. and texas roadhouse did those things well so they wanted the people that came in to try and do the things that they did well but that discipline to have the server um, identify a first-time guest tell that story and then make sure that that table got a manager touch point mm-hmm. and they came back and said hey thanks for coming in mm-hmm. um it those goes were a long things, way yeah it goes a long way it went all the way and that's why for Almost its entire life, Texas Roadhouse has never done national advertising, never done TV advertising, never done radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe out of some things local in a few markets, but like as a national franchise, they just don't do it because they don't have to. Um, and of course, having great margaritas, great bread, great steaks right, great and great ribs, helps. you know, helps. Um, but those things were key, those stories. So that's something that that we learned there that we try to help, you know, restaurants implement and, and do all the time. So mm-hmm. without a doubt. So the last thing I know this is something you brought up when we were kind of discussing what we were going to talk about today was the secret the shoppers. secret shoppers. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, you know Roadhouse they would have people who actually lived locally, but uh, the corporate headquarters reached out too, and they would come in and they would actually eat at our restaurant and like grade the servers based upon did they and the ask food. If, yeah and the food you know did uh did they mention you were a first-time guest did they tell the story did they do those things and like this certain step you had to take and then you as a server got graded at the end and if you got a hundred percent was it a gift card or something like that or you got some money yeah it or, might not even been a hundred percent i forgot what it was yeah. yeah but you just you did well and you got a gift card or some sort of a prize like it would be different and you they would like look a at a gas even, card or yeah something. A gas card something like that but they would look at the how clean it was, you know, the bathrooms, they look at everything. So the secret shopper would come in. So you didn't know which table was a secret shopper or not. So anybody could have been a secret shopper. So we were there for, I don't know how many years. I only got created one time. I don't know how many times you got. I don't remember actually. No. <laughs> I wish I, I, maybe I should just make up a story about yeah, that. But right. to be honest, I don't remember how we, I know though that, you know, we had alley rallies with, yep. the, with the servers uh, before every shift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about secret shoppers. We were thinking about it. 
Um, and you kind of wanted to get secret shot because if you're doing a good job, then you got you, praised quite a bit. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. like, yeah, I got a gas card, but you felt kind of like a rock star. Mm-hmm. And that was that was, you know, almost better than the gift or the, you know, the prize that you won. So that was a takeaway is, you know, how you treat your staff. It's not about punishing them with secret shoppers, um, you know, and trying to trick them into like messing up at mm-hmm. a table. It was about, you know, making the staff and the team feel good. And what a an awesome way to get feedback. You know, something like, cause you know, you as a talking to the owner or manager right now, I mean, you're busy, mm-hmm. you're busy at the, maybe somebody called in and you're working broil that night. Like you're in the trenches of it. You can't see what's happening in the restaurant. Like what a, what a cool way to do it. And I think any restaurant or bar could really do that now, you know, just call up your friends and family to come in, you know, mm-hmm. put a, put together a things that you want to really happen. Tell your staff that it's going to be happening Mm-hmm. And then, you know, see what happens. So it's not something that, you know, just Texas Roadhouse could do. It could be the local corner bar or anybody. So for me, like the takeaway from Texas Roadhouse is these are some fundamentals of good food and good service and treating your staff well and marketing your business um, that really never change. So uh, the next place, you know, Dan and I, you know, worked at, at Texas Roadhouse together. And then before we started Anchor 5, which eventually became uh, Belter Blue, we worked at a deli in Milwaukee and uh, we helped take this deli. So it was you know, launched in the 50s, right after mm-hmm. World War II, somebody came home in, in early 50s and launched this deli. And we served corned beef and pastrami, and there was no point of sale systems, no website, no social media presence, no menus, no logo. And so we helped kind of take that deli and move it forward. Um, and we made some mistakes in the process yeah, of doing that. And we also did a lot of really great things. And mm-hmm. okay, we'll start with the good news. You know, we did some really nice things. Uh, with growing the business, uh, the catering business especially, which didn't exist before. Yep. And we did it through markets, uh, farmer's markets and festivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we would uh, you know, hit up the local farmer's markets. We'd actually sample out the food there. We'd hand out coupons, do a little bit of old school marketing that we learned from Roadhouse and kind of brought that brought that back to the deli. And in the midst of that, we, again, put them in the 21st century, I guess you could say, you know, added the website and added the social media piece and um, we did email marketing for a little while there mm-hmm. too. So we yeah. kind of brought all that stuff in to see what was going to work. Cause they were a staple in the area. Everybody knew who, who they mm-hmm. were and they just solely ran their business off, off a of word of mouth. So I remember, you know, working those festivals and people being like, wait, is this the same one that's, that's over there downtown? Like, yes, it is. Like they were mm-hmm. just surprised and happy to see us out, out and about in these festivals. So, I mean, I remember us being really worried Oh like, yeah, that, that we have this old school brand, right? And yeah. these people that have been coming there for mm-hmm. 40 die years, hard. Yeah. die hard Jake's fans. And here we're going to come and we're going to make a logo. We're going to make a website. We're going to use social media. We're going to use technology. Um, hey, is this all going to work? And at the end of the day, people loved it. Mm-hmm. People weren't as resistant to change as you think. And that was one of the takeaways for us is here's this brand that's been, you know, iconic uh, in in a sense in the city of Milwaukee. And we were able to bring it forward. And so, you know, and we look at restaurants today that maybe, uh, you know, have never done some of these things before. And now's the time, you know, mm-hmm. people are expecting it. Right. Um, and, and, you know, they want to do those different things. Um, and what we helped uh, this particular, you know, deli open up new locations uh, w- around the city. And, and we kind of learned working with the management team there that, you know, we opened uh, in two pretty poor locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we opened, ended up opening up in two uh, shopping malls. Uh, we thought the foot traffic from those shopping malls would result in, you know, great, uh, you know, 
traffic to the deli. Right. Uh, but we didn't anticipate is our customer wasn't trafficking shopping, shopping malls, right? Yeah. Yeah. So knowing our customer was was a was a problem for sure, and and knowing our market, and we've talked about that in in past podcasts. But if you're going to be making an investment into your business, like a new location. Uh, or even launching a new menu, make sure you know your customer and know your market. That's incredibly important because mm-hmm. that was definitely the thing that we that we missed. And I think it had partially to do with uh, the management team over there and us, truthfully. You know, we were very focused on making money because as you're opening up more and more low locations, money, you know, you need to, you need to get that, that revenue you in. You need money. You need money. So, but over time, um, it became the entire focus was around making money and we lost a lot of the tradition. We try to keep the tradition alive and the comments are trying to keep that alive and only focusing on money blurred the whole thing. And um, even though the food and service was still where it should be at, it just didn't have that same feeling as it did. Probably because we were in a shopping mall. We were in a shopping mall, which is really hard to create an atmosphere in a shopping mall because you're in a shopping mall. (laughs) And nobody wants to, nobody takes their wife out for dinner at a shopping mall. Exactly. So that was definitely something that we definitely learned. But, um, you know, focusing on on, on money, I think, is another part that really hurt the business. Well, and I think a manifestation of that was we didn't have a lot of patience with the things we were doing. So because we were so focused on making money um, and making the investments that we made pay off, we lost focus of our customer and we would come up with new promotions and ideas and events and things that, that we wanted to do to drive the business, but we didn't give them time to yeah. succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd run something for two or three weeks and oh, it didn't work and then we'd run something else. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we were just confusing our customer, confusing the employees mm-hmm. at the at the store. They didn't know what to think or what, right. to, what was coming next. And people just kind of tuned us out, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really big lesson uh, that we got from Jake's is if you're going to work on a new concept for your business, you're going to work on a new promotion, a new series of promotions, a new menu, a new strategy, you need to give it time. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And that and that's key. So yeah, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint with, with restaurants and bars. Um, you know, it takes, if you think about the average customer, if somebody visits you once a month, let's, let's just say, once a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to take at least six months for that person to kind of get in the groove of your place. Yeah. But you're in there every single day and different people are coming in there every single day. So if it doesn't work in two weeks. It's very easy to be like, well, it doesn't work. Well, you know, you got to give it at least, in my opinion, six months to really see if something sticks. Yeah. Depending upon what you're doing. Of right. Course. But right. I mean, in general, that's a good rule of thumb. I mean, if this is going to be a cornerstone of your business, like the program you're launching, you can't judge if it's going to work after you've ran it for six weeks. Right. Just not going to right. happen. Right. And it, that really goes with anything. Like if you launch a loyalty program at your business, for an example, and it, you know, you only get 50 people in the first month. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. No, that's 50 loyal customers. See what could happen the next four, five, six months mm-hmm. down the road and then and then reevaluate and see, see what's going on. But it's very easy because restaurants are so fast paced. Things are changing all the time mm-hmm. to kind of have that same mentality when it comes to marketing. And you've yeah. got to be patient. And so things that, that we've seen work today. So those are two things from our past. But we work actually with a local company that makes popcorn, Pops Kettle Corn. Mm-hmm. And, Dan, you do a, a lot of work with these guys. Yep. You know, I'm not as close with them, but I know that they do an unbelievable job of getting involved in the community. Mm-hmm. And and I know that, you know, we're, we you know, you'd think we were going to talk a lot about technology. And, and, we, and he uses technology to get involved in the community. Trust mm-hmm. me. But he's still getting involved in the community. So how does he? How does he do that? Yeah, I mean, um, 
I guess first, you know, looking at social media, he does a lot of video. People love video on social media. And and Mark, the owner there at, uh, at Pops Kettle Corn out in Muskego, he'll just, and it's nothing crazy. He just takes out his cell phone. It's very authentic. He holds it up <laughs> in front of his face and he just talks. Sometimes the videos are two minutes. Sometimes they're five minutes. Sometimes they're, I see one for like 15 minutes. But if he has a lot to say, he'll say it. But it's very authentic. It puts a face to the brand. And it makes people feel like they actually know the family because Mark and his family started this. His dad started it a long time ago. Mark kind of took it and ran with it in the technology space to kind of help grow it. Um, But it's just putting that face on that brand to really get to know who these people are. You have an emotional connection to the brand before you even step foot in there. And it helps that their kettle corn is out of this world. <laughs> it tastes really good. So, I mean, I know he's local. Yeah. He focuses on local marketing, but it feels like he's kind of hyper-local. Without a doubt. So the difference between local and hyper-local, for those of you who don't know, hyper-local is, fo- hyper-local, excuse me, is focusing primarily on exactly where you're located. So he's in Muskego. So he'll do a lot of promotions for just the city of Muskego. Not so much maybe Milwaukee or Madison or the whole state. It'll be very hyper-local to that one location. So he'll do things um, like a, a family in Muskego. Um, they had a, had a daughter, a little girl who um, got diagnosed with cancer. So he did this whole thing where he raised a bunch of money and he shaved his head on Facebook Live. You know what's interesting about that is I know Mark Mm -hmm. and I know he didn't do that to get people to buy kettle corn. No. The reason he did that is because he cares about his community. Yep. So when we're talking about this stuff like be involved in your community – it has to be because you really want to be involved in your community. Yeah, find it. Find That's a, the only way it works. Exactly. Find a niche. If you're passionate about baseball, sponsor a local baseball team. Because you, know, you find, care about baseball. Yeah, find and kids the playing thing baseball. You care about right. in your community, and then you know use your resources and use your name and use your brand to help that business, and that will come back to you. It's like it karma. does every it's, time. Yeah. It does. And so one more thing that I know before we move on is he does a series of videos called a coffee break Mm -hmm. and he's had some crazy success with these i don't want to say they were viral but they've really gotten a lot of attention online i Mm -hmm. think right yeah without a doubt so you know he met with um you know a couple local restaurants an insurance agency just businesses around the area went in there and just let them talk about their business and nothing to do with his kettle corn business. Just wanted to learn about their business and promote their business um, about what they were good at. So one of this pizza joint in Waterford, Wisconsin, it had over like 120 shares, 457 likes on the on the video, and everything. How much money did he spend to promote it? Zero dollars, nothing. But people in the in the community just they they knew Mark from Pops. They knew uh, Matt or Mike, excuse me, from Spanky's. Um, is the pizza joint in Waterford, and he just allowed him to really showcase his pizza and showcase his brand, and people just love these two, you know, yeah. business owners in the area that are just helping each other out, and they wanted to kind of help out as well. And it also helped that Mike gave away a free beer to anybody who mentioned the video at yeah. his bar. So. Yeah, there you go, right? But, I mean, that's that's local, hyper-local marketing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and so- now- what 20 minutes of mark's time really to go in there yeah. and shoot this and film it and get it up online but yeah. it helped his business it helped 
you know, uh, the pizza joint. It helped everybody. And that's something the pizza joint could have done themselves. Yep. He could be filming those videos. He could be doing those things. Anyway, getting involved in the community. Yeah. So uh, last thing to cover, I think, that, that we want to talk about is kind of looking forward mm-hmm. to things we've seen. So obviously we talked about things in the past and things that are working, you know, now. But I want to talk about two things. The first is some trends in the industry that, you know, you, as a restaurant owner and as people who work in the restaurant industry and with people in the industry, we hear all the time. And that's uh, that's delivery. I need to be delivering food to people. And if I'm not, I'm losing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm losing customers. I'm losing business. Um, and that might entirely be true depending upon the type of business you're in and uh, depending upon, you know, where you're located, if you're in a heavily urban area, that might be, you know, might be something that's true. But um, I just came across an article the other day about the largest uh, franchisee in the Applebee's system uh, with, I believe they have over 200 units, maybe even more. Um, and they've, they've decided they're going to cancel doing delivery uh, because it's just it's not profitable enough. It disrupts operations inside the restaurant too much. Mm-hmm. And they're going to focus on their darn dine-in and car side to go business, um, and that's a really interesting thing, you know, because what we've seen in the industry is, hey, you need to be doing delivery, and if you're not, you're going to get left in the dust. And here we're seeing, you know, one of the biggest players in the restaurant industry, albeit it's Applebee's, you know, looking at saying, hey, this isn't isn't something I want to do. Right. So, I mean, have you seen any other trends or things that that maybe? you know, kind of fall into that category. Yeah. And I think to kind of piggyback off what you were saying too, I think, you know, people kind of get lost in what everybody else is doing and that can be a double edged sword. Cause let's say in the case of delivery here, your stuff just doesn't carry well in delivery. Your product just does not carry like a pizza would carry for delivery. And then someone gets your food and it's just not that good. You're better off not even delivering that food altogether. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I think it takes some time to really think, yes, people are doing this stuff, but should I be doing that? Mm-hmm. And it's okay to say no and go against the the norm for sure. But I think some other things that people are seeing too is online ordering. You know, as definitely one of those things of should mm-hmm. I have online ordering? And it, it can be expensive depending on who you go with. I know in past podcasts we talked about some alternatives there and things that Belter Blue can help with, but you know, should you do online ordering? Mm-hmm. Is that part of your brand? Is it part of your experience? If it is, then do it. Mm-hmm. Try it out. If it's not, it's okay not to, mm-hmm. um, to get people to come in. So I think those are the, probably the two big ones right now is online ordering. I mean, let's face it. I'm not going to open up a pizza restaurant and not have online Correct. ordering. Oh, without a doubt. Right? Yeah. But if I'm, you know, the local corner bar, mm-hmm. do I need to have online ordering? Right. Maybe. But looking at your business and saying, hey, do I have those other things in place that we talked about that Texas Roadhouse does, for example, Mm -hmm. are those in place? Is my staff excited? Are they trained? Am I part of the community? Uh, Those are all, I think, really important things. Without a doubt. um, And then the last thing is, and this is honestly one of the most important things, I think, from our perspective, is, you know, everybody – in in the in the world pretty much carries a little computer around in their pocket Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that little computer is their portal to the entire world Mm -hmm. and it's crazy when you stop and you think about that how can you as any business Mm -hmm. not have a presence there so you know if we're looking at trends and we're saying i need to deliver okay we're looking at trends i need to do online ordering okay is it are you even do you have any presence on their phone? If they look you up on Google, do they go to a mobile friendly website? Do I have some place for them to access things and communicate and, and do the, the things that they want to do to interact with your restaurant? Mm-hmm. Not only as a first time guest, but a repeat guest. So that's the last thing I want to talk about. And I know you want to say a few things about it too, but 
if you're not thinking about talking to your customer, being a part of your customer's cell phone, mm-hmm. being in their pocket, uh, you might be dropping the dropping the ball. Yes, I mean, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. That the average person's attention span is three to four seconds. So if they pull up that little computer in their pocket and they can't find you, they can find plenty of other restaurants out there around them that are mm-hmm. right there on their phone and they're going to go there first. So to Rob's point, being on Google is number one. And, you know, it's a lot of places we, we talk to haven't um, claimed their business on Google. So if you have not claimed your business, that's number one. You need to be on Google. Yeah. People are on Google immediately. Social media, number two. They seem to be able to find you within a couple clicks. So just think about yourself. When you look up something, what are you looking in your phone? And can they get there in two to three clicks? If not, then you're not there and you, you need to get there. Yeah. And it seems like basics, uh, but looking forward, and that's kind of the last thing we're talking about here, you, you need to have those basics covered. Mm-hmm. And you just we come across so many places that don't. So, yeah. So that's that's kind of all I had to talk about. Um I think the the series on communication has been hopefully informative for everybody that that's listened. Um, if you have any questions on any of this, uh, feel free to reach out to us on social media. Um, you can even reach us through the Belter Blue website. We'd love to hear the things you're doing in your restaurant or bar or business, or if you have ideas and things uh, that we could share with our customers, uh, or if you need some help, uh, we're definitely here to help. So thanks for uh, chatting with us for, for a few yeah, seconds. Yeah, it was great. Dan. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Belter Wire podcast. Remember, you can visit us at belter.com for all of your restaurant supply, beverage, hospitality, janitorial, and licensed branding needs.